I'm Jonathan Goldstein, and you're listening to Wiretap on CBC Radio 1 and Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Today's episode, The Predicament. Friday, December 31st, 7.10 p.m. Tucker calls to see what I'm doing for New Year's Eve. Catching up on my reading, I say. Want to come over and watch the ball drop, he asks. We can make you a sash that says 2011, and you can pretend to be the baby New Year. While I'm usually up for any reason to don a diaper, I tell Tucker that I'm just not interested. 8.30 p.m. Mary phones to ask me over to celebrate with her and the kids. I decline. You know, you can afford to be a little more receptive to the world around you, she says. So next time I'm in a restroom, I'll keep the stall door open to shake hands and pass out business cards, I say. Baby steps, she says. The next time you're in a restroom, just try washing your hands. 9.45 p.m. My mother calls. When I tell her I'm not going out, she starts to worry. You're sick, she says. You sound nasal. I was born sounding nasal, I say. I'm just not in the mood. It's not a big deal. But even your father's having a party, she says. She then explains that as we speak, my father is seated at the kitchen table, eating shelled peanuts and listening to the radio. And not talk radio, she says. The music kind. Let him have his fun, she says. It's New Year's, after all. p.m. Tony phones from his in-laws. I'm not doing anything, I say preemptively. It's going to be a new year tomorrow whether Jonathan Goldstein dances on a coffee table with a lampshade on his head or not. You remind me of a girl I once dated who always fast-forwarded through the opening credits when we watched videos, he says. She sounds like a keeper, I say. Well, we broke up after two weeks, he says. It could have probably lasted at least a month or two, but she fast-forwarded. The point is you can't rush to the end, to the new year. Life shouldn't be about that. We get off the phone. I hit the metaphorical pause button and stare out the window. 11.45 p.m. Characters in books and on TV shows often learn about what really matters in life through the guidance of helpful supernatural beings who know more than we mortals ever will. Take Scrooge in A Christmas Carol, for instance, or Alf. Staring out the window, I consider how in real life, all we've got are our hunches about what matters. And of course, we also have our family and friends to steer us a little when we've a hunch that our hunches are wrong. 11.50 p.m. Mary's probably already put the kids to sleep. So I call up Tucker to see if I can still come by, and he says, sure. I'll bring some chips, I say. It is New Year's, after all. Saturday, January 22nd, 10.45 a.m. In life, a little celebration is good. Some people, though, don't know when to stop. Like my good friend, Howard. Hello. Happy New Year. Howard. Happy New Year, man. Okay. Howard, it was New Year's weeks ago. 
John, all the best to you and yours for 2011. Howard, it's almost February. Peace and prosperity Thank and you. happiness. Thank you. Howard, it's... Happy New Year, Desi. Happy New Year, Brucey. Woo! Happy New Year. Man, what a party. Woo! What, what party, Howard? Man, oh, man, I think I'm a little tipsy. <laughs> what the hell? It's only once a year, you know? We've got a party. Howard, it was week- <laughs> Howard, New Year's was weeks ago. My, my resolution for 2011 mm-hmm. was to party... Like it's New Year's Eve every single day, every single day and minute of the year 2011. People let go too quickly. Howard, that is ludicrous. The whole point to New Year's Eve is mm. that it's a special. What are you doing? Hmm. I'm drinking eggnog. I got spiked eggnog. You can't. I got champagne here. Howard, you cannot celebrate every single day like it's what New is Year's this? Eve. You're, you're, you're the New Year's police. You tell me what I can and cannot no, do. Howard, because I dealt with the police already in New Year's. I told them. This party's continuing, baby. And who are you partying with? Bruce and Desmond. I got myself here. Okay. What are, you, what are your resolutions for New Year's? I don't, I don't make any resolutions. You don't make any resolutions. Everyone's got resolutions, John. You want to hear my resolutions? Everyone's got yeah, resolutions. Yeah, what, what are your resolutions? I got this right in my back pocket. Here we go. I got a, whole, I got a list. Uh-huh. First of all, I'm uh-huh. going to replace the light bulbs all over my apartment. They're all been burnt out for months now. Well, okay, that seems like a practical resolution. That's just one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pack on 100 pounds of solid muscle. Solid, lean, ripped muscle. 100 pounds. 100 pounds of where, muscle. Where do you come up with that? I set my heights high. My mm-hmm. goals, I got big goals. I got big dreams. What do you want me to say, John? I'm John Goldstein. Well, I'm going to pack on one pound of muscle. All in my heart. One pound of black, dark muscle. Mm-hmm. All right, what else we got here? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat lobster as many times during the week as I possibly can. How are you going to afford Ten, that? Ten, nine, oh eight, seven. What are you doing? Six. Happy New Year! <laughs> All right, what else here? Oh, I'm gonna get myself a cane. I'm I'm, I'm not gonna walk down the street. I'm gonna hustle down the street. I'm gonna get myself mm-hmm. a cane. Maybe an ebony. Why a cane? Because I'm a stylish fellow. I'm gonna have myself a weapon, and I'm gonna look stylish at the same time. How's that a weapon? Anybody messes me, bang! Cane across the throat. That's what they're going to get. So what else do I have here? 2011. I'm going to start wearing boots, and I'm going to wear my pants tucked into my boots. You're going to look like Howdy Doody. Well... How is this a good idea? It's not an idea. It's a resolution. And what to you is a resolution? Let old acquaintance be forgot the words I don't know. The I'm also going to get do this year. I'm going to get satellite television. That that's a resolution. Yeah. Okay. You know you're putting me down a lot. You know. John, I'm not you putting know. you down, Howard. Well, you know, at least I got some dreams. That's, at least I got some goals. Well, you know, that's I set good. some goals for myself. How about if I make some resolutions for you? How's that? Okay. No, here's that's not going to work. Jonathan Goldstein's resolutions for 2011: smile. How's that sound? Smile once in a while. I smile. Come on, you don't smile, John. Give me, give me a smile. Give me a smile over the telephone. I'm smiling right you're now. Smiling right Can now? you hear? If you were smiling, I would hear crack, 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 as all the unstimulated skin around your mouth would start to stretch. This is what a smile sounds. See? Can you can you hear the smile in my voice, John? I hear the insanity in your voice. Wow. Okay, you know what? Actually, okay, here's a resolution. You know, oh, I I do this. I do have a resolution. Okay, let's hear it's it. It's to spend less time on the telephone with you. Oh, that's funny. That's one of my resolutions. I'm going to spend less time on the phone with you. Oh, is it? Yeah, How convenient. I should that just a second. Same to you. So, yeah. All right. Well, then... Uh, that's it. Well, have a good day then, and mm-hmm. time to start working on that resolution. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You just enact that. Yeah, make yeah, that active I'll let there. you hang up the phone. 
Well, you, you, I'm not going to be the boss of me. You hang up the phone and then. Boss of you. What are you, six years old? I'm just saying, you know. Okay, Howard, mm-hmm. good day. Good day, sir. Party on. I'm going to do that. Fine. Did you have lunch yet? Excuse me? I was thinking of getting some lobster. You know, this way we can, you know, we can have lunch. We can meet in person. We don't have to talk on the telephone. Where, where, where are you going to get lobster around here? My friend Nick, he's got some lobster. fell off the truck and, you know. I'm not, I'm not going to eat stolen lobster. Not stolen lobster. I literally fell off the truck. Lost lobster. And we can go down to Nick's place there and we'll boil it up. We'll have some lobster. Okay. Okay, Howard. I made us some lobster bibs in anticipation of our lobster meal. Okay. All right. Fine. I actually made them out of your monogrammed hankies. What? Why? I'm what, ribbing what? you. That's another one. More ribbing in 2011. Okay, Howard. I'll see you later. All right. So uh, bring bring salt and lemons. Okay. John. Yes. Five, four. Okay, Howard. Goodbye. Let old acquaintance be. Three thirty p.m. Gregor calls up from Los Angeles with a new idea he wants me to invest in. Orthodontic spoons, he says. Just think, a spoon custom made to conform to your mouth. Finally, you'll have a utensil to properly fit your bucky teeth. I don't have bucky teeth, I say. It'll work with everything, he says unimpeded. Broths, cream-based soups, even bouillabaises. We'll call it the super super. Get it? In no time, the only people buying off the rack spoons will be those who can't afford custom-made. When I tell Gregor I'm not interested, he tells me he's not calling about spoons anyway. He's calling, because as my agent, he's worried. Johnny, been doing a lot of walking lately. A lot of walking, a lot of thinking. Oh, yeah? After a depressing morning of calling around pitching you unsuccessfully, I go for long walks, thinking, how come nobody wants Johnny? Why can't I get my calls returned? You know, every time you call me, my self-esteem just completely plummets. When I call up and I say, Hey, I'd love to take a meeting with you. I've got this client, Red Hot. Red Hot Pepper, Jonathan Goldstein. I can't get past reception. What do you you want from me? Am I supposed to apologize? Well, if you were more talented and famous, I'd have a much easier job because I'd be turning away offers instead of begging you to get a walk-on in an infomercial for a juice machine. Is that what you've been working on? No, they said no. I told you, nobody's returning my calls. This is my frustration. I can't get past level one. Well, maybe, is there something wrong with your pitch? I mean, uh, what 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 are you saying? There's nothing wrong with my pitch. All the receptionists in all of L.A. know your name. I say, hi, Roslyn. How are you, Roslyn? I represent a guy named Jonathan Goldstein, Roslyn. Have you ever heard of him, Roslyn? you got to work their name in so it feels personal. Because all day long, these people are like, can you hold, please? Can you hold, please? Can you hold, please? They get to me. I'm like, hey, how's your kid? Navenya. Very popular name, by the way. It's heaven backwards. How would you find this? The point is, I work to ingratiate myself. I make 200 phone calls before breakfast. No, you don't. Every single day. And you know what else I do? I put on a suit and tie. You know why? Because it makes your voice different. Does it really? I stand up. I don't sit at my desk. I stand up ramrod straight. My hair is greased down. And I say, good morning, Francine. How have you been? How's that cyst the size of an egg you mentioned your grandmother had growing on her neck? Was it a goiter after all? Hey, I was wondering if I could get an appointment to talk about my miserable client, Jonathan Goldstein, who I can't get my call returned any day. And she says, I'll put you on hold or I'll call you back. I'm sorry. I've been giving the messages. I'll give it again. Okay, thanks. 
That's what I get all day. It's been getting to me. Okay, well, what do they know of me, first of all? I mean, have you sent them tapes of my radio show? Yeah, I sent them tapes on a horseback through the mountain pass, but I'm not sure that it made it before spring. No, I didn't send them tapes. Who has a tape player? What, are they going to sit around in their room listening to records all afternoon on their phonograph? No, no, come on. I mean, so what, what do they know about me? What they know is that this is a guy who has an amazing, persistent agent. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you're making me drag this out for 10 hours because all I wanted to tell you is I'm walking by the farmer's market, which, by the way, they have unbelievable empanadas. And I sit down and I think to myself, man, I'm really in a predicament here. I have an unsaleable lump called Jonathan Goldstein. I cannot push this mm-hmm. lump on anybody. Yeah. It's like yesterday's rotten fruit at the vegetable market. And I start to think this word crystallized in my head, I am in a predicament. And then suddenly, skies part, Michelangelo, finger of God, comes down and touches me. And I think, predicament, that's it. I rebrand you as the predicament. You know the situation, the guy in the Jersey Shore? I've heard of him, yes. He makes $6.5 million a year. He's got unbelievable merchandising. Plus, there are these T-shirts made with his abs on them. So then I start thinking, you're the predicament. Gregor, I don't have abs like that. I don't have abs. You've got abs. They're just buried under winter flab. And I know you keep your winter flab four seasons a year, like all weather tires. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter anyway. Nobody's looking at your abs. They're too Mm -hmm. horrified by your face. Do you know some people talk to their agents and get pep talks? If you want someone to blow sunshine, find another agent. That's not me. Anyway, so I get to thinking, how do I use the predicament to get myself out of this predicament? And it hit me. I'm going to arrange a big national TV stunt where you jump over a shark on water skis like Fonzie on Happy Days. Wait a second. He jumped over a shark. It was incredibly exciting. You're, you're suggesting that I jump a shark. Jump over a shark, yeah. Jump over a shark. Okay, first of all, I, I'm, not, I'm not a stuntman, right? There are like 50 squirrels that know how to water ski. We can teach you to water ski. Secondly, you are familiar with the expression, jumping the shark. Yeah, it's famous. It went down in television history as the greatest episode ever when Fonzie jumped over a shark. No, it, it, it wasn't considered the greatest episode ever. Fonzie jumped over a shark, which had nothing to do with anything. It was, it was some misguided, pathetic attempt to boost ratings, Gregor. And jumping the shark entered our cultural lexicon as meaning the moment in a show's history when it becomes a self-parody. Jump, jumping the shark is the worst thing that can happen to a person's career. It's only the worst thing that can happen if you don't make it and the shark eats you. If you no. jump over it, then you're a hero. Did you ever watch Happy Days? Yes, yes I did. You know what Fonzie's character was? He was the genius. He was the hero. He was the guy who got all the girls. He was the guy who could punch the record machine and make it play. And every nine-year-old in the country wanted to be Fonzie. And you know why? Because he jumped over a shark, a no. killing machine with 500 rows of teeth. Okay, Gregor, you're, you're being willfully ignorant here. You, do, you are familiar with the expression jumping the shark, yes? I'm like a sprinkler that spins around 360 degrees, soaking in, in reverse, all culture and every moment that happens everywhere. Of course I'm familiar with jumping the shark as a negative thing. I'm familiar with jumpingtheshark.com. I know the TV show. I know the book. I know the webisodes, the pamphlets, the thing they post in the supermarket on the cork board. Of course I'm familiar with jumping the shark. I'm talking about rebranding that whole thing where the predicament comes, jumps a shark, makes it cool again, becomes an international hero where little kids are buying inflatable sharks with a little predicament guy jumping over it in the supermarket at the checkout counter. How is my jumping over a shark going to help my public radio career? I'll tell you exactly how. While you're in mid-jump, you do one of your monologues about, it's Monday, they didn't have any toast in the cafeteria. While while I'm coasting in mid-air over a shark. Upside down. Upside down. From a helicopter. Okay, Gregor. I, I'm I'm not I'm sorry I'm not I'm not going to jump a shark. 
what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to call back all 200 people that I pitched this to and tell them sorry? You told people that I'm going to jump a shark. For the first time since I've been calling, I've been getting calls back. People say, what, are you kidding me? Who's this guy, the predicament? What, he jumps over sharks? Are you crazy? He's going to get eaten by a shark on national TV? Wait, he's going to do this all with handcuffs on and blindfolded? What? what? I'm getting interest. I'm getting buzz. I got sponsors lined up. They want to tattoo your face with their sponsor name. Oh, and uh, Dexatrim, you know, the weight loss drug? Mm -hmm. I talked to them about a thing where we'd fast you for 60 days before the jump shark thing. They were excited by that. Those like a countdown clock. People watch you losing weight for 60 days. You'd be a skeleton jumping over that shark. I know that appeals to you because you're so spiteful. You'd love to deprive the shark of a good mouthful of Johnny meat. Okay, Gregor, you're going to have to call those people back and tell them I'm not going to do this. Wait a minute. Who's not doing it? Jonathan Goldstein's not doing it? or the No one's doing, doing it. it. Uh, you know what? Fine, I'll get a cadaver at the local medical school, and the shark will eat it, and I'll be out. You, you're not worthy of the name of the predicament. I'm going to find a different name for you. I'm going to call you the doorstop. Oh, How about yeah. that, a reality show? Tune in this week to say the doorstop. He'll probably be right where you left him because he's just a stupid doorstop okay. that just sits N there and keeps see, the door now open. You're, I resent that. How about the soggy cardboard box? I don't hey, like let's that. let's see if we can get the soggy cardboard box to come with us to the club and take his shirt off. Oh, no, that's too insulting. How about the file cabinet? I lost my key, so I'm locked shut. All you need is a crowbar to open me up, and I'll be forever dented. Abracadabra, it's me, the dented file cabinet. Four PM. After putting the phone down, I notice that the toilet brush I bought earlier today is sitting in the center of my kitchen table. It doesn't look bad there, sort of like a cross between a candelabra and a tablecloth sweeper. I'm tempted to have a dinner party just for the thought experiment of it, to see which of my friends would find it too upsetting to eat with, and those who would find it an absurdly delightful centerpiece. Interrupting these musings is a call from a man who'd most likely fit into neither category, as he'd probably not noticed the toilet brush at all, so focused as he is, on himself. Hello? Yeah. Hey, Josh, what's, uh, what's up? Hey, guys, what's up? How are you? Great, thanks. Good, good. How's the fam? Good, thanks. Well, it seems like uh, you didn't even need to call me for this conversation. You're I didn't doing call a pretty you. good job. You did call me. No, I didn't. I accidentally leaned on the button. So you have me in your saved numbers. When I'm depressed, I just call you to feel even more depressed. You know, Josh, it seems like you're depressed more often than not lately. I mean, ha have you thought about maybe seeing a therapist? You know, maybe I would benefit from a therapist. But you know that I don't have any money, right? I, I mean, I, I, I have to busy myself with things I can afford. You know, like beads. I was really into beads for a while and stickers. Beads? Sorry, Beads and stickers? You well, mean... not at the same time, no. It's not like bologna and marble cake. Okay, so stickers stickers and uh, beads. What do you yeah. have? Well, you, gotta... you, you say that with such a... You know, your sneer is smeared all over my phone, like a thick layer of cream cheese with locks on a bagel. Now, um, what's uh, what's getting you down? Oh, hey. Hey, buddy. What you are... sound really down. What? I I'm, I'm being... What's going on? Oh, hey, maybe boy. I can act all super. Do you and, think and kind of make like I'm a little better than you because I got everything wrapped up in a tidy little package. With Let me try table. again. Well, what's what's eating you? I feel this void, you know? I, I just, I don't know. I've just been, I wouldn't say bored so much as, what's that word that the Germans have? Weltschmelz. No, Ver no, no, not world sadness. More like bored angry. <laughs> bored and angry. Yeah. That's quite a combination. Bored and angry. I got that in spades. Well, why is this? I, I, went, I, went, I, went to, you know, I went to my GP, and he told me, uh, you know, you, you're too stressed. 
too stressed, he said to me. Can you believe it? A gall. Well, but and he's saying that the, the boredom and the anger... Listen, the doctor suggested, look, straight up, get some hobbies. Ease your stress. Calm down. So now you have a sticker collection. You keep your googly-eyed stickers on one page and your puffy stickers on the other. And You know what? I didn't expect you to be an anti-stickerite, okay? I've dealt with enough discrimination well, in my what life kind of already. And a 40-year-old adult has a sticker collection. I'll have you know that there's a very large burgeoning community of us on the Internet. Go is there. That's correct. It's the if you will stick it, then you will lick it group. You can look us up. Okay, well, you know what? Fine. So you're collecting stickers. So is it helping? or do No, you, do you no find... it's not helping. It's, it's, it's hurting. It's harming. How, how is that? It's, have you ever collected stickers? No, I can't say I have. Okay, it's a burning passion, okay? It can't be quenched with the acquisition of, you know, the great new glittery Google eyes that are coming out on Friday. You know what I'm saying? It's a raging river. Okay. okay? It really winds you up. I've gotten into some vicious arguments online. What, what are some of these arguments? The epistemological underpinnings of stickerdom mm -hmm. are very, very much in dispute, my friend. You know, there's a lot of people on the Internet. They don't just consider any old piece of paper with some, some gum or resin on the back of it to be a sticker. No, no. No, it's got to have a certain proportion of glitter. It's got to have the googlies. It's got to have this. It's got to have that. It's very, very tiring. I've been in the trenches, man. By the end of the day, I was more tense than at the beginning of the day, except with stickers. Anyway, stickers wasn't working. No, clearly. Clearly it wasn't. So did you, did you try taking on other hobbies? as if you've been reading my diary, because that was the next thing I did. Diary keeping? Yeah. Okay. Writing down everything that happened to me, right? Everything that happened during the day. Okay. You know, just like going to the store, coming back from the store, looking at what I got from the store, you know, calling up you now, that sort of thing, you know, with your diary at the top. And a chow for now at the bottom. Uh-huh. I, I spelled it C-H-O-W because I didn't know what it meant. I thought it was, had something to do with food, like going to eat, which was my next hobby. Eating isn't a hobby, Josh. Uh, you know what? It really depends on how you approach it. This is, this is what I've learned and what you've never learned, right? Because you're ignorant, which is not your fault, right? You're just deeply, deeply ignorant. What you have to do is sort of create little quests for yourself. So what I did is I decided to eat at every single restaurant within a 30-mile radius, mm -hmm. but only you know, eat everything on the menu that was red. Great. Okay, that's quite a hobby. But you know what? Not healthy. Not healthy. You don't say. So I needed a new hobby. Which was... Uh, I believe it was glass blowing. Uh huh. Enough said. Right. I'm still picking pieces of glass out of sensitive areas. Right, okay. This is not a frivolous pursuit of frivolous pursuits. I built birdhouses. You know how hard it is to build a birdhouse that the bird could actually get in and out of? You have to put a hole in there. I didn't even know that you like birds. Uh, who likes birds? Well, have you, have you considered maybe yoga? A lot of people find that relaxing. Yeah. Yeah, I did that. And? Yelling doesn't go over very well in yoga classes. Joe. Why do you always have to be yelling? I guess I just, you know what, I care too much. I love too hard. Josh, look, you know, hobbies, they don't work for everybody. You know, like, I don't have a hobby. Okay, and I'm doing, I'm, I'm you know, I'm doing fine, I You're guess. You're the most stressed out person I know. Okay, fine, you know, but I, I accept the fact that I'm, you know, a little bit more stressed out than others, and... I have my coping mechanisms, and I Your do... Your coping mechanism comes in a bottle, and it says Cuddy Sark on it. Are you drinking right now? No, I'm not drinking. I don't drink. What, I, what I'm thinking is maybe instead of trying to repress all the, all the yelling inside you, maybe, uh, maybe you just need to vent it. Maybe you need to give voice to it. Find me one occupation where I could actually channel my anger that way that wouldn't get me thrown in jail. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe... Maybe you could be one of these guys that like yell at people for on subway platforms, you know, yeah, just scream. They're called crazy people. 
Maybe you, you, you know those guys that yell out their window for kids to stop rooting around in their garbage? I like it when kids root around in my garbage. You know, Josh, you, I mean, you know, you'd probably make a really good heckler. What, a heckler? What, one of those guys that goes down to comedy shows and tells them how bad they are? Yeah, you know, screaming from the audience. I don't know, John. Why would I want to heckle somebody, right? It just crushes them. It's mean, right? Mean-spirited. I don't want to be mean, right? People deserve more than, than to have somebody come and, and just tell them that everything yeah. they're doing is terrible. Well, okay. That, that's considerate of you, surprisingly. I, I can only think of one person in this world that I would feel comfortable heckling. You see where I'm going with this? I'm... Yeah, that's right. I'm coming down there right now. I'm going to stand outside your studio window, and I'm going to tell you what for. For what? Exactly. I'm going to come and give you heck, Ling. It's going to be the first time in history that the autopsy report reads excessive heckling. I don't deserve to be heckled. You smell. I'm doing it now. Getting under your skin, eh? Kind of like a tick. Josh. Tick, tick, tick. That's the sound of your 15 minutes running down. Get off the stage. I'm not on a stage. Oh, yes, you are. All life's a stage. And all the men and women merely players. And you suck. On Wiretap today, you heard Howard Chakwitz, Gregor Ehrlich, and Joshua Carpati. Wiretap is produced by Mira Burt-Wintonic, Crystal Duhame, and me, Jonathan Goldstein. Tune into Wiretap Saturdays at 1.30 and Thursday evenings at 11.30. You can also hear Wiretap across North America on Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or at cbc.ca slash wiretap, where you can also download the latest wiretap ringtone. Ten, nine, eight. Countdown to the call that might very well change your life with every ring of your phone.